This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. That's a true friend right there. (laughs) Good morning. I'm Angela, and welcome. Good morning. It's so good to be here. It's so fun to have these families. So fun to see you here. I hope you have that sense of anticipation that today is a special day, one of those things that's a milestone in your family's life, and that you are just anticipating being together. I have loved how we've kicked this morning off. I hope to keep that going all the way through to the end when we get these little babies up here. Uh, I'd also like to say a little shout out, good morning, to those of you that are online. You are part of our community. Even if you can't be here today, it is cold and flu season. Thank you. Thank you, and good morning. You are welcome, and we are happy to have you over there. That's terrible. That's terrible. Let's not say that. Um, We are wrapping up the last week of our This Is Us series, and I have thoroughly enjoyed this this unique perspective of both looking back at the last 20 years in some of the key characteristics that when the church was launched, launched, it defined us, and looking at the lens of how that will still be who we are in the coming 20 years. And this last one, empowerment, this is my jam. I don't think that's a thing. Yes, let's talk about this today. I am so excited. And just in case you have a feeling that pastors don't struggle with applying what we talk about on Sunday mornings, I'm going to, true confessions, this shirt, I don't know if you can see what it says. It says, Infinite Possibilities. And I bought it this week at Old Navy because it was $9, and I liked the saying on it. I thought that was fun. Um, I did not realize that I had a full-on soul training exercise headed my way in order to put this shirt on my person. I, over there on the rack, I thought, oh, yes, because empowerment and the, the beauty of humanity is so touching to me that I just resonated with this shirt. But then when I went to think about putting it on and like labeling myself with this thought of infinite possibilities, oh, it was all kinds of backpedaling, like all kinds of backpedaling. I even had the thought like $9, it's not that big of a waste. Like I could just not wear that. But I wore it today because it is natural accountability for me to think of myself the way that Jesus thinks of me. One of the things that we love about children, none of us would hesitate to put this shirt on a three-year-old and stand back and give them a two thumbs up. And you know their little chest would puff out, their little belly right out there. They would wear this with pride. And not one of us would think, that's kind of (laughs) arrogant. Nobody. We would absolutely look at that kid and be like, oh, the world is written on your face. Look at what is in front of you. But I'm 41, and I look at this, and on the rack, I think, yes, embrace that. And on my person, I think, but I chickened out of that thing. That thing, I failed. That thing, I just flat out told God no. That thing, I have all of these, yeah, buts, yeah, buts. And even if I can get a picture of grace on and a lens of grace with which to look at those things, Then I can get it on and I can think, oh my gosh, everyone's going to think I'm so arrogant. Like, who says this about themselves? Friends, point number one, Jesus is in the people business. 
the people business. He is in your business. Well, if you were raised in a certain kind of church, then you hear that differently. Like, he's <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> all up in my business. Uh, he is in the business of you, the business of me. He looks at this shirt and does not see arrogance. He looks at this shirt and said, yep, I made her. 41, pff, that's a drop in the bucket. Look what we've got stretched out in front of her. The best is yet to come. Same thing for you. I know it's hard to believe. It was hard to wear this shirt today. It is hard to believe what Jesus says about us. But this morning, I want to talk about Jesus being in the people business. And I'm going to run through quite a few Bible verses right here for the next few minutes because I want you to hear out of his voice and out of God's voice and out of some of our Bible heroes' voices, I want you to hear how much he is for us. So we're just going to run through a few. The first one is from Psalms. This was written by a king who had this wonderfully intimate and casual relationship with God. And by casual, I mean we have a tendency to put God up on this shelf and we speak with a formality to him. If you have ever wondered if there was a Bible verse that reflected how ticked off you were, go to the Psalms. David is completely honest with God. How could you? And oh, where are you? What are you thinking? All kinds of raw emotion out of David. And I love this. He's talking to God. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. This conversation between he and God reflects this intimate God who knows you, who knew David, who worked to create him, who sowed those infinite possibilities into him. The next one comes from Matthew. So this is Jesus' words himself. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Could you use a little rest? (laughs) Darby said three hours of sleep. I'm running on four today. (laughs) I got her. (laughs) I'm running on four today. I don't just need sleep rest. I need the rest that stops me from the hustling that is related to the identity crisis about owning the fact that I have possibilities. I need a rest from the condemnation. In his voice here, you can just hear, come, sit, hang, be. Take my yoke upon you and learn from, and learn from me, which a yoke was a beast of burdens outfit. That was not an easy thing. That makes no logical sense. He says, don't worry. When you and I partner up together, when we get hitched together in this yoke, you can learn from me and I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You can feel his forness, that he is in the people business, not asking from, but for. Here's another one, Jeremiah. This is God's voice. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future of infinite possibilities. That's so much in the people business. Another one from Luke. What is the price of five sparrows? Oh, I have told you before that I see God in nature, and there are many, many a times, try not to mock me too badly internally for this, but many, many times I pass roadkill, and I think about this verse. (laughs) 
sorry. It's part of my dealing with the grief that is roadkill. It's just part of me. What is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. In another translation, it talks about every time a sparrow falls, he knows it. He takes mark of it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid then. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Oh, he's in the people business. I got a couple more. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened and do not be dismayed. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That, to me, when I um, was younger, I, I thought about location. I thought about, okay, if I'm in California, Petaluma, God is with me here. And if I fly out to Georgia to get trained at a conference, God is with me there. The adult version of this for me, I apply this in the sense of whether I am walking towards God or I am walking in partnership with God or I am telling him no on something he is whispering to me or I am actively walking away from him. The idea that God is with me wherever I go is revolutionary. And the same applies for you. I don't know if today you walk in the door and there is a wall between you and God and it feels like, no. That wall could be you saying no to God. That wall could be shame. That wall could be made any number of things. I love the fact that God's presence, God's kindness, God's love for you is regardless of wherever you are. Spiritually, physically, it doesn't matter. Wherever you go, Isaiah says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. This one comes from a little different angle. This was a prophet in the Old Testament, and this is God's job for him that I think reflects God's heart for people. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He is for Every person on the spectrum of behavior, of desire, of intimacy, of hopes, it doesn't matter where you are on that spectrum, God's heart, and he sends emissaries. I loved Darby's thing this morning about us being our own tiny miracle superhero. I love that concept that we are God's hands and feet to each other. We are part of how he communicates to the world that he is for us, that he is in the business of people. Got one more. I think it's one more. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's a direct quote from Jesus. He's not just interested. I don't, man, for so much of my life, I thought Jesus was about behavior modification, honestly. That I'm a sinner, I mess up, I have horrible motivation sometimes, I have horrible execution at other times with good motivation. I thought God was interested in fixing me. This idea of being empowered comes from a concept of being fully accepted where I am. That God did not come so that you can get your crap together. God came so that you could have life to the full, all the way to the edges of your infinite possibilities. That is revolutionary if we can get that to sink in. That kind of a God was foreign to me for much of my life, but the difference that it has made in my ability to accept me, in my ability to view him through the lens that he said he was, he's always said he loved us, He's always said it. It's been revolutionary to reflect and to absorb this kind of an idea. 
So I want to just run through a couple of other things that talk about Jesus being in the people business. He reinforced this in a ton of ways. If you have never read the biographies of Jesus, in your Bible, about two quarters of the way through are four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they are biographies of Jesus's life. As you look at the biographies of Jesus, you can see him be in the people business over and over and over again. He showed it to us in the way he spent his time. He was, he knew what he was doing. He was starting a movement and he knew he had limited time to do it. He traveled all over the place. Rather than settling down with the powers that be in the human world, he traveled all over the place and spoke to the masses. Instead of settling down and creating some large, I don't know what the right word is for that, some large destination for people to come to to receive his wisdom, he took his message out to the people. He reinforced it in the ways and the things that ticked him off. Religious oppression just got his goat. I mean, it just got him. He reinforced it in the people that he spent time with. There's story after story after story of Jesus meeting with people that the world thought were invisible and unworthy and unclean. And he reinforced it by the tone of his teaching. We just went through a few quotes a minute ago. Out of Jesus' own words, you could hear him before people. He was not working to fix them. He was working to empower them, to come alongside and reinforce them. He also uh, reinforced it in the way he described his followers. I love this. I love this verse. John 13, 35. Here's how you're going to know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. If you, if you uh, look at that from a different grammatical point, I don't know if that's the right word, but grammatical point, everyone else is going to know who the Jesus followers are, the people that are encountering God, because love just exudes off of them. When he talked about his people, you could hear the people business in it. And the last way, I'm sure there's more, but the last way we're going to talk about today that he uh, reinforced this idea of being in the people business is the kinds of instructions that he gave to his followers. Therefore, as God's chosen people, which, pick me, like, ah, yeah. God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Every single one of those is about the interaction between two human beings. Every one of them. Compassion is about how I feel about other people. Kindness is the way I treat them. Humility is the way that I honor others and I bring myself into... Um, authenticity with them. Gentleness and patience is about how I treat people or how I feel about people inside. When he talked to his followers about the kind of life to live, you could feel him say, be in the business of people. It's a high priority. Jesus was in the people business. That is for darn sure. But also, I don't, I don't know how much you have theologically studied this, but Jesus and God, let me just read a couple of Bible verses to you. God said, uh, Jesus said about God, just in two slides ahead, that's me. Sorry, my bad. Jesus said about himself, I and the Father are one. Also in John, if you'd really known me, you would know who my Father is. He was saying, if you look at the stories that you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is who God is. 
I came to earth to show you what that invisible God is like, how he thinks, how he interacts, how he loves you, how he is in the people business. So if Jesus is in the people business, God is in the people business. And I know for a ton of us, this idea of God is a lot more intimidating than Jesus. And I think it's because we have stories to see where Jesus was interacting with people and we can feel him being relatable. Whereas God, it's just easier to shove him up on a pedestal and be a little intimidated by that. When I stop to think about Jesus and God being the same, and this idea that if Jesus is in the people business, God is in the people business, I'm going to take it one step further. Have you stopped to think, or can you even fathom that God is into you? Like, into you. I could accept for almost all of my life, I could accept that God loved me. I could accept that he, that he sent his son to be a ransom for me. I could accept that. But it wasn't until just a few years ago that I could start to question my belief that God tolerated me. I'm sure I'm not the only person in this room that has this sensation that God does love me, but does he really like me? Does he really just want to be with me? If he had free time, which, uh, if he, that seems impossible, but um, he's a God of infinite possibilities. Um, if he had free time, that he would choose to spend it with me? Ah. Uh, like, I, I could sort of get a picture of how that was true with Jesus, because I could see Jesus' stories of interacting with people. This idea that God actually is in to me. For the longest time, I didn't even know I believed this. It wasn't until I started to question, is that possible? Could that be true? For the longest time, I did not realize that I believed that I stood here and God was over there quite some distance, like, over there, and of course he was watching over me and providing for me, but between here and there was this gigantic toxic waste pit. It was of my making. I knew it was my bad, and I knew, I mean, I could believe that God loved me across that toxic waste pit. I could not fathom God stepping over that toxic waste pit and getting next to me. I could not fathom it. The best I thought I could hope for was wading through the toxic waste pit that I had created and getting next to where God was. The idea of him doing the work to get next to me just could not comprehend it. I have spent a bunch of time, if this is a new concept for you, ooh, let your mind ruminate on that this week. It is so incredible, this concept of a perfect God not loving us in spite, but right where we're at. God is in the people business. So if you do begin down this journey of the idea of accepting God as being into you, there's a couple of pitfalls that I have fallen into, so I would like to just share them. You might be able to avoid those pitfalls. Good for you. <laughs> so two ways I have seen this go awry in my own life as I have pressed into the idea of God being for me and being in the people business. One is to become a consumer. It is all about me. He loves me. He does not want to fix me. He accepts me where I am. So it doesn't really matter that this area is going completely unchecked and I'm running amok in it. It doesn't really matter whether or not I am offering love to other people. I am just 
basking in the glory that it is to be loved by God. It does not go well, friends. This one took me a while. It does not go well. So as you press into this idea, hold loosely these two extremes because I have also swung all the way to the other side of the pendulum and have fallen into the other pitfall of activism. It's not quite the right word because I would still totally consider myself an activist in general. It's not quite the right word, but I could not figure out the right word for it. But the other extreme is I don't matter at all. What this looked like was workaholism. What this looked like was a total lack of boundaries. What this looked like was self-condemnation. What this looked like was a total absence of self-care, that I was just doing God's work. I was not going to be a consumer. I was doing God's work. And I blew out multiple times in full-on burnout. I love that I love God that much. I love that. But this is not God's design for what it looks like. It's not what is intended to be. Now, I will tell you that it is true. God wants to see you thrive. He wants to see you find your voice. He wants to see you express yourself in the things that you create. He wants to see you make your mark on this world. He wants to see you shine. He wants all of those things. But I would like to take another little trip down nature lane and talk about how I am finding a balance between these two extremes of consumerism where it's all about me and activism where I don't really matter at all. And we're going to learn from the whale shark. (laughs) Of course we are. So um, the truth is I believe empowered people empower people. I believe the concept of sim... Oh, no. Thank you. Thank you. Symbiotic. That's not the right tense. Thank you, guys. Uh, Symbiosis. So let's pop over to the whale shark, Justin. This is the giantest fish in the sea. It is really impressive, and it is not known to chew on humans. So do not fear if you run into a whale shark in the ocean. Um, That's a whale shark, and a whale shark is a very popular buddy. He always has buddies around him because as he eats things, shrapnel goes out and smaller fish love to enjoy that. So the whale shark does the big work and the little ones just enjoy it. And they get bites of things that they would never attack normally. So he's a very popular guy. However, whale sharks have a really interesting relationship with this little fish. That's a remora, and I don't know if you can see him well, but God's design of this fish is fantastic. That fish is not upside down, even though it looks upside down, because its eyeballs are down here. This is a remora, and a remora lives next to a whale shark or on a whale shark and enjoys all of the little shrapnel as well. But symbiosis means that this remora actually picks parasites right off of the whale shark. So the whale shark likes the remora, and the remora likes the whale shark. It's a symbiotic relationship. I believe God's design for this love that he has lavished upon us, that he empowers us because we are of value, but he empowers us with the expectation that the amount that we feel the love, we pass the love along. Empowered people empower people. If Jesus was in the business of people, new life wants to be in the business of people. That seems like a good investment. So I want to talk a little bit about one other thing that God said about the church. 
what a church would be like. And these are straight out of Jesus' own words from Mark. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him, and this, this was the religious norm. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of Jesus' day, and they thought they had religion pretty much figured out, and Jesus was upending the apple cart all over the place. So when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, which they believed to be dirty, unworthy, and literally you needed to keep your distance in order to not be corrupted from, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Ah, amen is right. We were meant to be a hospital. The church was meant to be a place where people come in this door at any spot. Skeptics, curious, thriving people, shut down people. Every bit of that human spectrum was meant to come in this door and be empowered. And then another set back from what we said earlier that was Jesus' words. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Empowered people empower people. And I'm going to embarrass a, um, a set of my friends. I'd like you to meet the Kelly family, who I had the kindness not to make them come up on stage. This is the Kelly family, and I just want to give you a picture of what it looks like to have this symbiotic kind of relationship. That's Ryan, Amanda, Abby, and Lincoln. I can't promise this one happens at church, but those two met at New Life, so they got that bonus. That's super cool. They've been married quite a while now. And Ryan puts on our annual Poker for Presents tournament, which is such a good expression of who Ryan was made to be. Good timing, friend. (laughs) Who Ryan was made to be. He's organized. He's passionate. He enjoys poker. He understands it enough to coach other people. He is a networker like nobody's business. So he gets that thing fully funded by corporate sponsors so that every dime that comes in the door through ticket sales to this event goes straight to our local homeless um, committee on the shelter organization. Committee on the shelter less. Doesn't make much sense if you leave the less off. <laughs> um, it's such an expression of who Ryan was made to be. So many facets of his personality. And he is using the empowerment that he feels to empower other people. Amanda is a teacher, and this morning she is in uh, our elementary age. She is a teacher, and she uses her skill set to empower our elementary students. It's fantastic. She's also spent about a year working on our next-gen relaunch that we are doing in 2019. She is empowering students to see themselves the way that God sees them, to know and love God. But it goes further than that. These two are empowering the next generation in their very own home. This morning, Abby, their daughter, is working in our preschool department as a teacher. And she's fantastic, faithful, loving, gentle, so patient with those preschoolers. Amazing. And just happened to be this morning, Lincoln is taking a test drive in the preschool department. Hey, Lincoln, if you're watching the closed circuit... Congratulations, bud. I'm so proud you're in there. I think it is the coolest thing that you're finding your voice at our church. 
You guys, this is what empowerment looks like. They have, in this community, found a way to use their voice and give back. And it is a symbiotic relationship because it continues to grow them. I want to use one more of Jesus' own words to just remind us what he wants for us. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Nobody lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. I'm totally tempted to do this about my own self. Like, totally tempted to do this. That's just silly. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see. Friends, shine. Shine. Let it all out there. And in everything you do, be in the business of people. Speaking of being in the business of people, there are some incredibly cute little people in the back. We are going to wrap up this service with a child dedication because we believe in the power of people and welcome these infinite possibilities to our stage. All right, parents, if you see your kids here, come on up, claim them, and then find your way right onto this stage. Sorry, we did not do, I did not offer you the kindness of showing your picture. You have to come up. So uh, family, come on up. Somebody has to start it. Come on, come on. Right up here, pick a spot. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.